Today we're continuing in this series we started last week called The Way of God. It's, it's a discipleship series. And I shared a little story last week about my family going to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and we got to hike some trails. And I think I showed this picture of us getting ready to hike this trail called Laurel Falls. And so if you weren't with us, I showed this picture. I think we have it. This is my family getting ready to set out. And we're going to see this awesome waterfall called Laurel Falls. And, and it's called the Laurel Falls Trail. And so they named the trail after the destination. And so the way to Laurel Falls is by walking in the way of Laurel Falls. And so the way to God is by walking in the way of God. The way of God is Jesus. And if you're going to follow the way of Jesus, Jesus calls us to follow his way by walking in obedience to him, by walking in the way of Jesus. And so what is the way of Jesus? We talked about four pathways last week. Uh, that four things that we want to help you do, four things that uh, these things are going to be trail markers. These are going to be like the trail signs uh, that you can look at in your life and go, man, am I walking in the way of God? And if you're not sure, if life gets confusing, even, even you know, when you're a Christian and you think you're following God, but you're like, there's days when you're, it's dark and it's stormy and you're like, am I really following God? You know, and it feels like God's not listening or he's not there and you're not sure. And you can look at these four trail markers, these four pathways, and go, am I doing these things? Because these are the things that God calls us to do. And so uh, the four pathways are love God, live free, build family, and bring the kingdom. And this is the language that our, that our church is using to help guide people, to help guide you in the way of Jesus, the way of God. And so as I mentioned uh, last week, we're hoping to make a discipleship course out of this to to help new people, people new to our church, people new to Jesus, so that they can get their bearings, you know, because there's so much to learn when you're walking with God. And, uh, and, and we know, you know, we talked about last week receiving him, confessing faith, getting baptized in water, and it's like, awesome, you know, and it's like, now what? That's what so many people think, you know, now what do I do? And, uh, and that's what we want to talk about through this series. These are the ways that God wants you walking in. And so last week we talked about that first pathway, loving God. And today what I want to talk to you about is the second one, which is how to live free. And I shared, I shared last week my calling when the Lord called me in 2007. Um, he said, your calling is to teach people how to love God. And so I'm a very practical person. And I love scripture, but sometimes scripture gives us these broad, sweeping uh, generalizations. Like Jesus said, the greatest commandment is loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's like, okay, that sounds amazing. How do you do that? (laughs) Like, what do you do in your life? How do you live out a life that you know you're loving God? What does that look like? And so I love studying scripture to pull out very practical things. This is how we need to be living. And we know James said, faith without deeds is dead. Don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. And so God carries, cares very, very much about how you live your life. He, he cares as much about how you live as what you believe. And the two should be in alignment. And so that's what this is about, putting into practice what the word of God says. And so I want to talk to you today about how to live free. And I've got good news for you today. Jesus wants you to be free. And he wants you to learn how to live free. 
You know, you can get free in a moment. He can set you free in a moment. And he often does. But if you don't know how to walk out that freedom, if you don't know how to live free from that moment, very often what a lot of people do is they walk in a big circle and they end up right back in the same prison cell that they started in. And scripture has so many warnings about that. The children of Israel get set free in a moment. Today's the day. Day of Passover kills the firstborn of Egypt. You're coming out. Let's go. You're free. They're free in that moment. Then they get out into the wilderness. And they start to complain. And they had really a, a slavery mindset. They wanted to go right back to Egypt. And so you have to renew your mind with the word of God. Learn how to live as free people. God wants you to live free. Let me show it to you in scripture. First Peter 2 verse 16. Live as free people. I mean that's a command from the word of God. Live as free people. Free people. Amen. Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It's for the lifestyle of freedom, living free, learning how to do that, that Jesus set you free in that moment. The day you got saved, the day you accepted him, the day you got baptized, boom, I'm free. Yes, Lord. <laughs> you just started a journey. Now you have to learn how to live as a free person in the kingdom of God. So how do you live free? Well, that takes us to this question. What has Jesus set us free from? If we don't know what we're set free from, then we can't know how to continue to live free from it. Amen? You guys with me today? Okay, all right. I I'm going to summarize it like this. Jesus sets us free from three broad categories when you study out scripture. Number one, sin. We're going to talk about that. Number two, strongholds and spiritual warfare. And those things all overlap, uh, but we're going to talk about that. Strongholds and spiritual warfare. And the third thing that he sets us free from is Self, meaning he sets you free from you. And that's a big one. We're going to talk about that. So let's walk through these. And as I walk through what he set us free from, what I want to do on this pathway of living free, again, for me, it's about how do we do this? I need practical things. What do I do to make sure I'm doing this? And I'm going to share some things that are in Scripture and things that I've learned to put into practice. Oh, Scripture says it. That's nice. The power is when you do it. And I've done these things in my life, and I've, it has radically changed my life. And, and so as we talk about this pathway and these three things he set us free from, we're going to talk about things Scripture tells us that we can do in order to walk in that freedom, okay? That's what I would call the next steps, right? So what's the next step? Okay, I did that. Now what's the next step? And, and so we're going to look at these as we go through this. So... The first thing he sets us free from is sin. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, mm, praise the Lord Jesus. Woo, so good. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I think we all could read that verse every day of our lives and just go, Ugh, thank you, Lord. 
There's no condemnation because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. What's the law of sin and death? If you sin, now you have a sin debt and the wages of that sin debt is death. And not just natural death, but apart from Jesus, the second death, which is eternal death in separation from God forever in what we would call hell in our modern day English translation. But Jesus sets us free from death or from sin. And I want to talk about a couple of the ways he sets us free from sin, because very often, most often in the church, we only talk about the first way he sets us free. Jesus sets us free from the penalty of sin, which is judgment, which is hell, right? But he also sets us free from the power of sin. And that's the part we don't talk about enough. We are set free from sin. Jesus said in John 8, he said, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So let me ask you a question. You get saved, you accept Christ, you're set free from the penalty of sin, right? So you're free from sin, right? But if you, as a saved believer in Jesus, go back to a sinful lifestyle, or maybe there's just you're just a weak person, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak, and you fall into a sin. And then there's shame involved, so you don't tell anybody, and then you, you get caught up in that sin, right? Are you truly free from sin? Now, if you're truly a believer and you're just struggling, you're like, I don't like this, but oh, you know, Romans 7, the good I don't want to do, I can't do, and the the bad things I I don't want to do, I keep on doing. If it's that kind of battle, you love Jesus, right? But you're falling into it, you know? You You could argue that you're still free from the penalty, still going to heaven, right? But are you free from the power? See, it's got you. It's the power of sin has got you even as a believer. And I'm here to tell you today that you as a believer in Jesus can live free from the power of sin. Jesus said, now a slave, he goes on to say, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free Indeed, let me show you 1 John 3, 9. No one who is born of God, listen to this, will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have not been born of God. Now, we all make mistakes from time to time, right? And this verse isn't talking about that. If, as a Christian, you're going through life and oh, you, you, you get angry one day and you say a curse word, right? You get upset, you do something you shouldn't, you immediately feel guilty, you immediately repent, right? It's not saying no believer in Jesus will never do anything like that. It's talking about a continual lifestyle of sin that you know about, it's known, practiced sin. You know about it, you know it's wrong, and yet you continue doing it. It says no one who's born of God, no one who's truly saved will continue in a habitual practiced sin like that, at least without being miserable. (laughs) Because here's why. When you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy, the Holy, 
the Holy Spirit of God does not live inside any person and then let them continue to live in a sin. And so you can be a saved believer and start sinning and then it's a secret and you hide it and you keep living in it. And here's what's going to happen. The world will call it cognitive dissonance. Scripture will call it conviction. You're going to start to be bothered. You're going to start to be convicted. Eventually, you're going to start to be miserable. And if you're bothered, convicted, and miserable, are you free? Is that a free? Do you have the joy and peace, the Holy Spirit? No. And Scripture warns us if you continue in known practice sin, you can even fall away from Jesus. And so... Here's what I want to tell you today. It is possible to live free from the power of sin. The sins that entangled you in your youth. You can live free from. You can get to the point where they don't even bother you. You don't even think about that stuff anymore. It is totally possible. I don't care what sin it is. I don't care how big of a strong hold it had on you. I don't care. I've heard too many testimonies. And I've experienced too much in my own life to know for a fact you can live free from those sins. And so here's the deal. If you're, I was going to say, if you're new to faith, no, I've also been around the block enough to know even well-seasoned Christians can fall back into a sin. And so this is for anybody, and I'll say it this way. If you are currently struggling with any sin, Jesus wants to set you free from that. Oh, pastor, I got saved years ago. I got baptized. Good, you're free from the penalty. He wants to set you free from the power so you can live in freedom. And it's possible. How do I know it's possible? Because I've experienced it. How do you do this? How do you get free? How do you get free from that? If you're struggling with that. And here's the next step I want to talk about. Step on the journey of living free. Living free. Confession and prayer. Confession and prayer. Here's the way I would say it. Not everyone needs to know what you're going through. But someone needs to know. And here's the way I've learned to determine in my own life if someone needs to know. There are, there are sins. There's things that you do and you're like, oh, you're not proud of. Maybe some no one even knows about. You know, our thoughts can be real sinful, right? And we can, we can entertain those thoughts and agree with those thoughts. And then maybe you never act on it, but man, the Holy Spirit's convicting you. And you, confess, you come to church, you're like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry for thinking that way. I mean, that's a thing. And here's the way I've learned to determine when do I need to confess to someone. Here's the deal. Confess your sin to God. Pray. Confess to him. Ask him to forgive you. And, and then see what happens. (laughs) What's your internal experience like moving forward? And if it keeps on bothering you, it keeps on, you've done that. I've confessed this to God 20 times, 50 times, a million times. It keeps bothering me. I keep having regret. I keep having guilt. That's how you know. You need to talk to somebody. Let me show it to you in scripture. James 5, 16. And by the way, this is somewhat connected to physical healing. But it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. And you will be healed. You will be set free. You'll be healed. You'll be healed. You'll be healed from the root cause of that sin. So that that sin loses power over you. So you don't want to do it anymore. Some, a lot of Christians go through life thinking, you know, resisting sin is just resisting. Oh, I want to do it, but I don't. And they fight that battle. Man, when Jesus sets you free from the power of sin, you lose the desire. And then walking in freedom becomes a lot easier. So as I've said, I've experienced this in my own life. When I was 21 years old, my wife and I had just gotten married. And about a month in, the Lord orchestrated a a conversation where I confessed my habitual struggle with lust and at times pornography, which had went on for about the previous 10 years on a pretty much a daily basis. It was a battle. And I remember going to youth camps and being like, I repent, I don't want to do that anymore. And, I, and I'd get home from youth camp in the summer in high school, you know, and I, I'd be marking off the, oh, I did good today. And I'd get like a, three weeks in like with red X's, like, I did it. I, I'm, I'm getting free. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, you know, I got to like, I'm a like a goal setter and an achiever. So I'm like, look, look how many days I've done, you know. And then I would stumble and fall. And I'd be like, oh, what's the point? I'd be right back in it till the next summer, right? And that's how my life went. And so the Lord orchestrated this conversation. And let me tell you what happened in that conversation. I confessed. Here's what I've struggled. I dated my wife since 14 years old. And so she was with me a lot of that time, right? But I had no idea. And so I confessed to her, this is what I've struggled with. And I, I went into grave detail. <laughs> it was about a two-hour confession. And uh, it broke her heart. It broke my heart. I was just a ruined man. And uh, at the end of that time, you know what we did? We prayed. So, so here's what I did, church. I confessed. I just said it. And we prayed. When you do what scripture says to do, God shows up. And he takes the Holy Spirit like an arrow and shoots it, and it's like, bam! And powerful stuff happens. So what did I do? Very simply, I did this. We pray. God shows up. Free. I said, I struggled with that stuff for about 10 years. And I'm going on almost 18 years of being completely free from it. I made a covenant with my eyes. Can't go back to that. Ask God for wisdom. James 1, 5. He gave me wisdom. Guard yourself. Put in these safeguards. Started walking in that. For the first few years, your mindset has to change. And after a few years, man, I used to be tempted daily, constantly, with that type of stuff. It's like I don't even think about it most of the time now. It's not even on my mind. It's freedom. And I'm here to tell you today, 
You can be free from the penalty of sin, but you can be free from the power of it. And you can walk in that and know what true freedom is like. And if you're not, what do you do? There's hope. There's something you can do. Find a trusted Christian pastor, friend, mentor, counselor, if need be, and tell them what you're struggling with. And then listen, after you're done telling them, they may not know what to do. Ask them to pray for you. And see what happens. See what happens. Confession and prayer. Not everybody needs to know, but somebody needs to know. We do a lot of deliverance and inner healing here, and it's powerful. And there's, a, there's several sessions I've been in where the person just starts pouring out what they've gone through or what they've done, and they get set free as they're confessing. And I'm just like, well, let's just wrap this up, and I'll pray for you. Like, the Lord just set you free through the confession. And so, <laughs> let me tell you, it is hard. It's almost like you're confessing a crime. <laughs> like if you stole a bunch of stuff, like you shoplifted from Kroger, like a bunch. And nobody knew for a long time. And then you're like, I got to get this off my conscience. So you're just like, I committed crimes. And you think about how horrible that would feel to confess that. I mean, that's what it feels like. Because you have committed crimes against heaven. And there, it is shameful. And so it feel, it's spiritual surgery. It's like you're yeah, getting cut open. And it, it, it's hard to share hard things. But it's powerful. And here's the promise of God. The reason most people don't confess is the shame and they fear punishment. They fear retribution. God says in his word that he opposes the proud in this context, who are the proud? Those who don't want to confess? No, I can't tell. I'm not going to tell. I'm going to hold it in. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace and favor to the humble. That's a promise from his word. He says if you don't repent of sin, he's going to bring judgment or discipline into your life. He says if you do, promise from the word of God, he will relent and he'll show you grace. And so, if you want to experience the grace of God to overcome that sin, find a trusted person. If you don't have someone, email the church and just say, hey, I need to talk to someone about something. And we can set up a prayer session where we, where we do that with you. And we do it all the time. And so it's powerful. There's power in confession and prayer. Why did that have such a strong hold on me for 10 years, though? And why some of you who are struggling with something today, why has it had such a strong hold on you? Because it's a strong hold. It's not just a sin. You know, there are sins that aren't strongholds. It's like squares and rectangles. Squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. You guys with me? I'm like, oh, this is a bad one. I don't do math. Okay. Geometry. Strongholds are sins, but not all sins are strongholds. You can in a moment, oh, get upset and sin. 
that doesn't mean it's a stronghold in your life. So I want to talk about the second thing Jesus sets us free from. Strongholds and spiritual oppression, which go together and they overlap. Let me read Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That word means plans, tactics, and strategies. The devil has plans, tactics, and strategies against your life. Scripture says we are not unaware. And if, if you're unaware of what his plans and strategies strategies and tactics are against you, how will you be able to fight back, right? So we put on the full armor of God. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, if you're new to church, he's not talking about rulers and authorities like that we're, you know, our battles against the government and the government and the government and spiritual forces of evil. Some Christians think that's what it is. No, those are different types of spiritual forces of evil. Fallen angels and demons is what it's talking about. Rulers in the spiritual realm. That's who our battle is against. I'm here to tell you today, spiritual warfare is real. The devil and his minions are real. You were born into a world at war. And when you were reborn in Jesus, I'm sorry, but you were reborn into a world at war. Which means you better learn how to fight or you will get your butt kicked and live defeated. And it's like, this is Christianity 101. It's like, we hope to make a discipleship course out of this. Someone who knows nothing gets baptized. And yes, second week they're with Jesus. We want to be teaching them this. Because so many Christians do not understand we're in a war. And you need to learn how to fight. So they get their butts kicked and they live defeated. And then they start to go, I don't even know if the Bible's true. I don't know if God's real. And they just fall away from faith because they're getting their butt kicked in the spiritual war. we got to learn how to fight. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Man, that's what I'm talking about. We get some weapons with divine power to demolish, to break down and destroy strongholds? Tell me more. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The war is spiritual. The battlefield's your mind and your heart. And primarily, it's a battle of getting you to mistrust God, doubt God. It's a battle of faith. We fight the good fight of faith. That's what this battle's about. A stronghold is a lie 
you believe or are participating with that allows the enemy to have greater oppression or bondage in your life. So strongholds are a little deeper than just a sin. As I said, we can sin almost accidentally. Oh, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. That was a mistake. You can sin in a moment. Stronghold is you're believing something at a deeper level that is not true. We demolish every high and lofty thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's the King James Version of that verse. They're ideas that aren't true. That you either think are true or you feel like they're true. But they're not true. It's a deception. And we know that's the enemy's main tactic. Deception. Deception and intimidation. Deception and fear. Those are the enemy's two main weapons. Deception and fear. Deception and fear. Deception and intimidation. And so... Scripture says we take captive every thought. Learning spiritual discernment. When I'm not doing well. When I'm depressed, anxious. Let me ask you a question. Is depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, is that the will of God for your life? Does he want you to live that way? Does he want you to be under that? It's real simple because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And Scripture tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're under that, God, God's word for you today is, that's not what I want for you. And here's what I'm going to tell you. 99.9% of the time, that's spiritual warfare. And so when you're having what I would call, here's a simple way, excessive negative emotions. Excessive negative emotions. Ask yourself, why? Why am I feeling this way? What's going on? Go a level deeper. And here's, here's the next level. Okay, so-and-so got upset with me and yelled at me. Okay, that's like a level two. But you're experiencing a level 10. You're having a level 10 emotional reaction to a level two thing. Why is that? There's probably something deeper. Probably some way that you've been wounded in the past, then you made a lie agreement. Because the devil comes in to those moments of wounding or sin, and that's where he plants the lies. Because that's when the lies will feel the most like truth. So you get sexually abused when you're a kid. The devil comes in. Listen, he doesn't, doesn't say it in an audible voice most of the time. He goes after your heart. He impresses you with thoughts and feelings. You know that's happened to you, right? Because nobody loves you. You know why nobody loves you, right? Because you're unworthy of love. You're a gross person. Look at you. Shame. That's, the majority of people who get abused grown up, they feel like it's their fault. Why is that? Spiritual warfare. Because there was a demon behind the abuse, and when they got abused, that demon started oppressing them. And I mean, this happens when you sin, when you do things wrong. Well, you know why you sin, don't you? Because you suck. You're a bad person. I could go on and on all day long with a million different examples. Lies, we believe, that keep us either in bondage or that keep us, we just keep 
experiencing all this oppression from the enemy. Spiritual warfare. And so you have to learn how to fight. And the good news is we have weapons. And our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. So what are the weapons we fight with? And notice it says plural. Weapons. Weapons. We know that we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Truth. God's truth. Absolute truth. The scriptures. It's called a sword. It's called a sword. You need to learn how to fight offensively. For years, I only knew defense. Resist temptation. Get that shield of faith up. Oh, Lord, I'm too weak. I'm probably going to sin. And the enemy, hmm, if you're not fighting back, he'll just keep firing. Oh, let's hit my, oh, I got a shield of faith, Pastor. Good. Are you living in peace? If you're in war and you're getting barraged by bombs and, and, and ammo 24-7, hitting that shield, are, are you at peace? No. Constant temptation, constant frustration, constant spiritual warfare. Uh, no. And for years, all I knew was hunker down, oh, pray it passes soon, and it never would. Because I didn't know that I could play offense. And when you're getting barraged, yeah, you got that shield of faith protecting you, but man, you can pick up that sword and be like, enough is enough. And you start swinging that sword, and oh, how the demons scatter when you start swinging the sword. It's amazing. They don't like that. They'll go after that shield all day long to try to break it, to get through to you. But you start swinging that sword, oh, they scatter. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Gates are a defensive mechanism. And so often the Christian mindset is coming to church and build up our gates and stay in the safe, holy place and don't, don't venture out into the big, bad world or the devil might get you. Jesus, if you read the way he taught us, we are to live and be so confident in our power and authority that we are always leaving this training camp, training ground to go out into the world on the offensive, to break down the gates of hell in people's life, to bust them out into freedom. That's what Jesus was saying. The gates of hell won't prevail against my offensive church. So go, preach the gospel. Go, heal the sick. Go, cast out demons. Go, you're going to win. That's what he was saying. The gates of hell won't prevail, church. Go, you're going to win. And so many aren't even going because they're afraid of losing because all they've ever known is defense. (gasps) Get my butt kicked. Hunker down in a hole. Foxhole. No such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Well, there's a lot of Christians in those foxholes, but it's time to get out and go on the offensive. So we have this weapon, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the sword is the truth, the word of God. God gave me a revelation several years ago, but it's the sword of the spirit, of the spirit. 
the Holy Spirit in you is the hand that wields the sword of the word of truth. So just having knowledge about God, just knowing the truth, I'm just going to tell you, is not enough. You have to know how to apply the word to play offense. Otherwise, you're getting your butt kicked and you're like, oh, remember the truth. Remember the truth. Okay, got my sword down here, strapped on. Belt of truth, got the sword. Okay, remember, remember. Why are they not leaving me alone? Why am I still struggling with this? Engage the Holy Spirit to wield the sword. Learn how to use it. Learn how to apply it. So how do you engage the Holy Spirit to wield the sword of the Spirit? The sword of the Spirit. I'm glad you asked. How do we engage Holy Spirit? There's a few different ways. The main way is prayer. Prayer. Learning to pray in alignment with the Holy Spirit to use the word of truth to demolish strongholds and to make the devil leave in Jesus' name so that oppression lifts and leaves and you're like, oh, I have peace. Learning how to pray to engage the Holy Spirit in prayer so you can wield the sword to break strongholds and to make oppression lift, to make the devil leave. Now, stronghold is often involves sin. Usually leads to that. You're caught up in a sin and you can't get out of it. It's a stronghold in your life. That's very often the case. Oppression is not always sin. Let me tell you something. Any Christian at any time can get spiritually attacked, spiritually oppressed. And one mistake historically in the church that we make is if somebody's being spiritually attacked, oh, a sudden wave of depression. It's like, well, how are you sinning? You're doing something wrong. And it's this shame-based pastoral counseling. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to do anything wrong, and you can experience crazy spiritual attacks. You can experience crazy nightmares. You can experience all kinds of stuff that's spiritual warfare on your life. Especially if the more you are pressing into the Lord, sometimes you get attacked because you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. And the attack gets more intense because of that. The key is being able to recognize that and then knowing what to do. How to engage the Holy Spirit in prayer to use the word of truth. To fight off the spiritual attack. Okay? Anybody can be oppressed at any time. Let me prove it to you in scripture. Did you know Jesus was spiritually oppressed? Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. After 40 days of fasting, he's incredibly hungry, which means his body's going into starvation mode. That's when the devil comes. He comes when you're weak. comes when you're tired. comes when you're lonely. comes when you're upset. He comes when somebody's just sinned against you. Jesus is weak. He's tired, he's lonely, he's by himself, and the devil comes. And the way scripture reads, the devil appears to him. Now, I've known some people, in reality, who've had, like, a demon literally appear to them and, like, mess with them. 
That's pretty terrifying. You think that's like living in joy and peace if demons showing up in your bedroom? No. So you think if the devil shows up to you in person, you think that's oppressive or you think you enjoy that? I would say that's oppressive. I would say that's spiritual warfare. Then he whisks him off to different places on the earth. I'm assuming against Jesus' will. Would you go willingly with the devil? (laughs) Take him up to a high hill. I'll give you all the whole world. That's oppression, man. It's a temptation. Temptation is oppression. And the sooner you realize temptation is not you and stop blaming yourself and going, oh, I'm so broken. I'm such a messed up person, which is one of the lies of the enemy to get you to feel defeated and not do anything about it, but to recognize there are spiritual forces at work. And you know what? In the name of Jesus, I renounce this temptation. I want to think about this stuff. Lord, come right now. Learning how to pray in those moments. You'll be amazed how the air will clear. There's so many times I've had heavy temptation attacks and I'm just like, ugh. And then I'm like, wait a second, pray. I start praying after a minute or two of prayer. It's just like, whew, gone. Free. All right. Back to my day. Boom. Learn how to fight. Learn how to fight. So the devil comes to Jesus. He tempts him. He's oppressing him. Messing with him. Three times. And three times, what does Jesus say? It is is written sort of truth 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 and he quotes scripture Jesus man if Jesus needed to quote scripture how much more do we need to know the word of God we need to know it we need to get deep down in your soul and some of you will be healed and set free just by reading and soaking in the truth of the word of God, your mind will get renewed and you'll be set free. But if that's not enough, then what do you do? Because some some churches teach, just read the word, just know the word, just know the word. Okay. And myself, and I hope probably millions of other Christians across the world, lots of people I know, I've been reading the word. (laughs) Still getting attacked. What do I do? Read an hour a day. It's not working. I've done the Bible study on this subject and I'm still feeling depressed and I'm still feeling angry and I'm still having all these things going on in my life. Still having the bad dreams. I've been reading the word. What do I do? Discern. Oh, this is devil. This is a spiritual attack. What did Jesus do? Most people don't notice this. Matthew 4, verse 10. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. Let's say it together, shall we? Away from me, Satan. Let's do it one one more time. Away from me, Satan, now in Jesus' name. Can we do that? Maybe right before we do, think about some negative stuff in your life. Okay, let's do it. Away from me, Satan, now in Jesus' name. That's offense. You just took a few swipes of a sword. See, these are rebellious spirits. Sometimes one little Bible verse or one little prayer, 
They're like, oh, oh, okay. He kind of got me there, but I'm right back. Not leaving yet. Tempts Jesus once. It is written. Tempts it again. It is written. Tempts him a third time. Jesus goes, I've had enough. Away from me, Satan, because it is written. Away from me. And the away from me is backed up by truth. But notice, Jesus rebukes the devil. Jesus commands the devil to leave him. And listen to the next verse, verse 11. Then, after Jesus rebukes the devil and tells him, commands him to leave me alone, then the devil left him. Then the devil left him. Jesus commands the devil to leave, and he does. Why does that work? Because Jesus has authority over the devil. And so if Jesus commands the devil to do something, the devil has to listen. But you and I can't do that because we're not Jesus, right? Wrong! We can't do that in and of ourselves. But if you're a believer in Jesus, you have power and authority of Jesus over the devil. Let me show it to you in scripture. Luke 10, 18 and 19, his disciples get back from driving out demons and they're telling him about it. And he says this, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Some, I've literally heard some Christians and pastors teach the exact opposite of what they should be teaching, meaning when someone gets saved, it's like, what about spiritual warfare? Oh, don't get into that. You start messing with the devil, he's going to mess with you more. Don't get into that. Don't get into that spiritual warfare stuff. He'll mess with you. He's already messing with you. And he'll deceive you so much that you don't think he is and you'll get comfortable in your fat, sassy, American affluent life and you won't do anything about it and he'll lull you to sleep and that's part of the game. He's already messing with you. You need to learn how to fight. It's a big, big deal. You gotta learn how to fight. Learn how to wield the sword. And so knowing the word of truth, absolutely renewing your mind with scripture, knowing it, memorizing it, getting it deep down, Absolutely essential to the Christian faith. Reading, that's why last week, read the Bible every day, every day, every day, every, renew your mind every day with the word of truth. But man, you need to learn how to pray, to stand on God's truth, put it into practice, and you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at how powerful you are in Christ to make demons flee, to break strongholds to see oppression lift and go in the name of Jesus. So how do you do that? How do you pray in the name of Jesus? Well, we just, I just gave you a very simple example. Very simple example. And it can be that simple sometimes. But I want to give you three next steps, things that we have been doing over the last several years that we want to teach and train our church in. Because to be honest, myself, several other people here have went through these things and we found them to be very, very powerful, okay? And especially if you're new to all this, um, learning to do these things will bless your life immensely. And so the first next step I want to talk about in this, in this category is go to Open Heaven Ministries Deliverance Prayer Training. 
Open Heaven Ministries is a local ministry that trains people in deliverance and inner healing. Uh, They usually have at least one training on this per month. It's usually the last Saturday of the month. They usually do it in a church uh, on the east side of Cincinnati. Sometimes it's at a different church because they're a a parachurch ministry. Um, And, wow, six, seven years ago, I went to that, and it radically changed my life and uh, really set me on a trajectory for our church to end up where we are <laughs> with, with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I tell people deliverance, learning deliverance prayer was, was my gateway drug to the Holy Spirit because I had some awesome Holy Spirit experiences as I was uh, learning how to uh, pray in power, in the power of the Spirit to, to do spiritual warfare. And that, that made me very curious, and I, I kept seeking the more of God, the Holy Spirit gifts, and, 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 and now here I am, and now here we are as a church family, flowing in, in all the gifts, of which I'm very, very, oh, just so happy about. Um, so they have this training. It's a one-day training. And, and here's what they will teach you. You will learn how to identify strongholds or oppression in your life, where you lost authority, where you opened the door, how the devil got influenced, and then become aware of the, the, the devil's schemes and tactics, as I mentioned. You'll learn how to, to become aware of that, how to find where he got his in, and then how to pray and break those strongholds and renounce the devil and make him leave. And they're training you to do it for other people. And at the end of the training, you can receive prayer from their team. That's what happened to me, and I got set free from some amazing things, and it was just like, Wow. Um, then I got filled with the Spirit as they were praying for me, and it was just a two-for-one that day. It was just amazing. And so they're very Holy Spirit-filled ministry. So um, you'll learn how to do those things. And then, man, once you have that experience and you're equipped yourself, you'll know how to pray for yourself daily. <laughs> but then you'll know when a friend tells you, I'm struggling with this, you're like, I, I, wait a second, I think I know how to help you. This is spiritual. This isn't, no, let me pray. Let's pray through this together. And you'll be able to become a true ambassador of Christ. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, Jesus said. And he's anointed me to do what? Preach good news to the poor and set captives free. Hey, I think I know how to help. Would you want to pray with me through that? You explain a little bit, you pray with them, boom, now they're free. Man, Go to OHM's Deliverance Prayer Training. If, if you're going to serve on our ministry team, that's like a pre, our staff, our leadership, that's like a prerequisite. You just need to go and get trained in deliverance and inner healing prayer, which I think is like a 101 of, of spiritual warfare prayer, what I would call spiritual warfare prayer. So here's two more types of spiritual warfare prayer. And by the way, you can do these today. You can do these today. The next one, this is the, the second next step in this category, is pray what we call the house blessing prayer. And so this is on our website. Re- Ooh, almost said it. Free people. <laughs> Seven years, it's ingrained in there. Freepeople.church slash pray. And at the slash pray, we've got two main prayers there. And the next one I'm going to talk about in a minute. The first is the house blessing prayer. Actually, I think the next one's first, but if you scroll down, they're both there. So the house blessing prayer is basically, or it's called a house cleansing prayer as well. And this is one we wrote uh, ourselves that, because based on experience, people were having issues at their house. And I'm just here to tell you, sometimes demonic 
presence or oppression can be associated with a place instead of a person. And so, simple way, a room this size, I'm going to be honest with you, probably many of you have experienced a haunted house. You've lived in one, your grandparents had one, everybody has a story, right? There's ghosts. I have a ghost in my house. You don't have a ghost. You have a demon. Congratulations. I hope you know how to get rid of it. Or you'll probably want to move soon. Some people do move. Tuck tail and run. I can't, uh, dozens of people now have come to me. I've been having terrible dreams. I woke up, I saw this shadow figure. It was real. Uh, Please don't think I'm crazy. Oh, I don't think you're crazy. That's called a demon, brother. (laughs) Here's a prayer. And what people say, they tell me, will you come to my house and pray for me? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I've been asked that at least a dozen times over the last five years. I've not said yes once. And I haven't had to go once. You know why? You know what I tell them? Are you a Christian? Yes. Okay. Your house is your authority. I can come and pray and it leaves. And then I leave and it comes right back. Because you don't know what to do. And it knows that. This is real stuff, guys. So I'm like, here's a prayer. You have power and authority in Jesus. All power and authority. And, oh, I don't want to do the exorcist. What if it throws me out the window like the priest at the end? That's called fear, and that's part of their tactic. What was the promise of Jesus? Nothing will harm you. I haven't been harmed yet in spiritual warfare. Hmm. What if we trust the word of God instead of our own fears? And so I give them the prayer, and I say, hey, go home and pray this prayer. And if you're married, do it with your spouse. And if your spouse isn't a Christian, then you just do it secretly, all right? Just, just do it. And here's the deal. Give it a few days a week. If nothing changes, I'll come. I'll come. I'll come pray with you. I'll help you do this over your house. I haven't had to go yet. Because guess what? Normal, average, everyday Christians like you and me, but more like you who aren't pastors, who don't eat, sleep, and breathe this and learn it and teach it and all that. People who know nothing about it. I go, here's a prayer. They go home, they pray it, and they're like, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, I probably will, but go ahead. And they tell me really awesome stories. We had a lady who was going to church here. They moved to a new house over in Adams County. The day they moved in, they were remodeling. She went into severe depression. Now, she was thinking what a lot of you were thinking. Remodeling will cause severe depression in anyone, all right? But it got to the point where she couldn't get out of bed. Now, this woman, I mean, in her mid-late 30s, had three kids, never struggled with depression one day in her life. And it was sudden onset. And I'm like, well, that sounds like spiritual attack to me. When there's not physical things involved that could, might cause that. Hmm. And so we pray with them a few times at church. Nothing was changing. Couldn't figure it out. I was standing here one day. She's across the room. And I heard her say to someone else, well, you know, it's kind of weird. We're modeling. The people who lived in our house before us were Hindu, practicing Hindu. There's all these Hindu carvings in the door frames, all this stuff. It's kind of weird. But anyways, blah, blah, blah. And I went, mm, wait a second. And I like went over there. And I said, what? hey, sorry to butt in, but what did you just say? And she told me. And I go, um, I think we found the issue with your depression. And she's like, what? And I said, here's this prayer. Go home and pray it over your new house with your husband. They went home and prayed the prayer. 
and they came back going, you're never going to believe what happened. This was a several-month battle. Couldn't get out of bed literally with depression, severe depression. Praise this prayer with her husband. As they're finishing the prayer, they're like, we went outside afterward. We prayed over the property, and it was cloudy, and the, the sky opened up, and these geese flew up, and this crazy stuff happened. And she's like, and in that moment, I felt it lift, and it's just gone. It's just gone. And I was like, awesome. And I want to make sure. So I wait a month or two, right? I'm like, hey, checking in. How you feeling? Oh, it's gone. That was it. Gone. They eventually left our church because they, they lived like over an hour away at that point. And they transitioned out. But I saw them like, it was over a year later. Hey, how's it going? Hey, nice. Good to see you again. Blah, blah, cool. Hey, how you been doing? Oh, I'm great. Oh, yeah, that was it. That was totally it. Haven't, haven't struggled since then. Hmm. Okay. And so, pray the house blessing prayer. There's been a lot of other stories very similar to that of all different types. You don't know who lived in your house before you. You don't know what they were doing. And even if it's a new house, bless it with the protection and the filling of the Holy Spirit. So go to our website, get that prayer. You can pray that today. And if you've never prayed over your household, strongly encourage you to pray it over your household today. Don't wait. All right. And by the way, it's like 10 minutes. It's like 10 minutes. So I don't know. Get rid of sudden onset depression that lasts for three months by doing something that lasts 10 minutes. Anybody up for that? I mean, it's not quite taking a pill like we like to do in our culture. But I mean, that's pretty close. All right. And the third step is the John Eldridge daily prayer. John Eldridge daily prayer. John Eldridge is a, 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 a pastor, Christian author, um, who developed this prayer um, that is so powerful. And it's so powerful because it's so comprehensive. It starts with worship, it, it, there's a section on basically repentance, like, Lord, I repent of any sin in my life, and then you list anything that you're struggling with, right, or have um, anything that's on your conscience. And then after that, it enters into three different types of spiritual warfare. And it's personal attacks against you, and again, it's like examples, and you can list in the prayer what you're struggling with. It, it goes into witchcraft being done against you or your family or church family. And by the way, that's a very real thing. And I don't have time to go into that. But we in America, we don't think that's a big deal. It's a big deal. <laughs> um, and so it's like being a spiritual doctor. Is it this? Check. Pray about that. That didn't work. Pray about that. That didn't work. Oh, oh, we found it. <laughs> this prayer is working. And so you pray through witchcraft being done against you. And then the last section is, is praying about, of spiritual warfare anyways, is about uh, um, bringing the cross of Christ between you and other people. Maybe people who are participating with warfare. Your battle's not against them, but you're bringing the cross of Christ and his work between you and them so that nothing from them is affecting you. Amen? And so, and then it ends with, with inviting the Holy Spirit and angels to come and help and all that. And it's just so powerful. It is so powerful. I stumbled on this prayer probably 15 years ago now when I read his book, Walking with God, and I began praying it then, and, and I've not stopped. I pray it regularly. And um, it's a powerful prayer. It does take about 15 minutes to say, 12 to 15 minutes, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And so I would encourage you to pray that prayer and learn to pray that prayer. And you want to talk about learning how to, to, to pray, wield the sword, renounce the devil and all that. Pray this prayer over and over. And you'll learn the language he uses, which is really good language. And then you do it, you do it enough and it'll start, you'll start to 
become part of your language. And so one thing I want to mention on that, how do you know when you might need to pray that prayer? You can pray it as a covering when your day starts, which if I have big important days or vacations, we go on, my wife and I pray it because we've learned our vacations get attacked because the Satan knows that you're planning that for joy, peace, and rest. And if it goes bad, then you're going to get disappointed and discouraged, and then he can come in with a whole lot more. And I'm just telling you what's happened in our life. We've learned to pray this prayer at the beginning of vacations, and, man, they just go so much better, and it's so blissful. Why? Because we're prayed up, we renounce the devil, and he stayed off the whole vacation. Isn't that interesting? And so I've learned to pray it beforehand on big days coming up. Um, And then the other times I pray it, and this is the way I would say it, if you're experiencing any excessive negative emotions— Before you go venting to your friend on the phone, you know, before you go to the doctor, (laughs) pray this prayer. Pray this prayer. Okay? And I'm I'm not saying doctors are bad. Sometimes we need that help. But I'm telling you, I would say this. Pray first. Pray first. So learn how to pray this prayer. Again, that's on our website, freepeople.church slash pray. And the last thing I want to talk to you about that Jesus sets us free from himself. <sighs> and we could spend days talking about this, right? Especially in our culture today, where everybody wants a self-help gospel. If it's a self-help gospel, then it's not God helping you, and it won't work. It's a false gospel. The true gospel, the true Christianity, is Jesus helping you, <laughs> and you admitting you need his help. And so... Jesus came to set us free from ourselves. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The NLT version says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Give up your own way. Give up your own ways of living. And start doing what Jesus says to do because that's how you walk in his way. And when you do what he says to do and you walk in his way, which is God's way, Jesus said it this way. If you continue in my teaching, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you continue doing what he says to do, you'll experientially know the truth and that will set you free. The power comes when you obey him. Second Peter, or I'm sorry, First Peter 2.16, as we've already read, says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, not just doing whatever you want to do, but living as servants of God. Deny yourself. Do not do what you want to do. Do not follow your heart. Follow God's heart. Do what God wants you to do. Live as a servant of God. That is true freedom. True freedom is not found in doing whatever you want. That's a counterfeit freedom. And if you do whatever you want, you'll soon find yourself a slave to sin all over again and Satan's power and spiritual oppression. But through Christ, we can get free of ourselves because the truth is, And you need to hear me on this. This is the truth. We are often our own worst 
enemies. Satan has no power over you except that which you give him. And our self-love and our self-worship is the biggest threat to living in God's freedom. That is true. Do not lean on your own understanding. But in everything, acknowledge God. Seek him. What does he want? What do you want me to do? So how do you know if you're living free of yourself? Obedience. You're doing what God wants. You're walking in his ways. And here's the deal, and I want to I encourage you with this. I'm just, I hope this is so encouraging to you. Just, just want to encourage, even if you don't feel like it. Because there's going to be a lot of days you don't feel like it. Probably at the beginning of you walking with God, it might be every day. And I thought hard and long about what I'm about to say, and it's, it's absolutely true. The vast, vast majority of things that God has asked me to do, the first time he asked me to do them, I did not want to do it. Vast, like 97% of them. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And so often I feel like Peter, sitting in that boat, I've worked hard all night, doing my thing, doing my thing, trying my way, and it didn't work, and I'm frustrated, and I'm lonely, and I'm tired, and, and, it, and, it, and the sun's come up, I'm going to go home and go to bed because I was working third shift, and Jesus steps in the boat and goes, hey, put out the deep water for a, for a catch. And Peter says to Jesus, Master, we've worked, I don't know if you know, but we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. Which is him, it's such a statement of faith, right? He's saying, I have no faith for this. I don't even think it's going to work. Key statement. But because you Say so. I will. And he does. Miracle. Biggest catch of his life. Feels like an idiot for not trusting God. If I only knew how many times that repeated itself in my life. I've told God before, the Holy Spirit, strong impression or direct word, I want you to do this. And I go, that's not going to work. I've literally said that to him before. And he's so gracious. He just... It's like, he just waits. I'll wait. Month goes by. God, why aren't you moving? What's going on in my life? Oh, you still want me to do that? <laughs> okay, it might work. I'll try it. <laughs> Works. Floodgates open. Wish I'd done it a month ago. Then, I want to do it. Now, I want to do it. But man, vast majority of time, first time he tells me to do something, I don't want to do that. Whether you feel like it or not, learn to say this to the Lord, because you say so, I will. Because I trust you're good, and you know more than me, so I'm just, I really don't want to, but I'm trusting you, and I'm going to do it. So how can you test that? Are you doing what God wants you to be doing real quick? Are you walking in the word? Are you doing what he says? 
And in our context, the last few weeks, what have we talked about? These pathways and next steps on the pathways. And so let's review last week real quick, real quick. The next steps of last week, how to love God. The first and foremost way is you receive his love for you. And so number one, have you prayed to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and and been saved, allowed him to save you? Number two, get baptized in water. This is what he says to do. Number three, start daily devotions, read your Bible and pray every day. Number four, be a part of of a local church man, don't attend weekly. Don't, don't just flake off, you know, once a month or whatever. Attend all the time. This week, we've talked about these next steps, how to live free. Number one, confession and prayer. If there's something you're struggling with, get free of it. Jesus has shown you what to do. You got it. You, you are powerful. You're powerful. You're not a victim. Oh, but they did it to me. Oh, but I'm so strong. Oh, you're not a victim, and Jesus doesn't pretend you are. Be powerful, make a choice, schedule a session, set it up. Let's do this. Schedule the surgery. Let's go. He's got promises. He's got freedom waiting for you. Confession and prayer. Go to OHM Deliverance Prayer Training. Pray the house blessing prayer. Pray the John Eldridge prayer daily if necessary be. Get free. Fight for your freedom. Learn how to fight. Partner with the Holy Spirit. Partner with the Holy Spirit. And here's the key. I just said it. Whether you feel like it or not. Because let me tell you what happens. The majority of those times I don't feel like it. I just do it. And the power is not in you doing it. Well, pastor, I feel like you're being legalistic. Like you're making a big list of stuff we got to do. And it ain't about earning salvation. It's just a free game he gives us. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about walking in the ways of God. And here's the power. It's not in you, actually. When you make a choice, and your choice needs to be involved, but when you make a choice to simply do these things, God shows up. He exercises some power. And your life changes. That's what happens. And so... I'm guessing some of you maybe didn't feel like coming to church today. But you still showed up. And I've been praying all week. We've had people praying 24-7. We spent all day praying on Wednesday that when whoever shows up, whether they felt like it or not, the Lord would show up and he would change your life. So I just want to close in prayer and I want to ask him to do that. I want to ask our ministry team to come up and get ready to pray for you as you're leaving this place today, as we dismiss. So come on up, guys. Let me just pray as we close out today. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would come right now, Holy Spirit, and set your people free. God, I thank you for those who came today who didn't even feel like coming. And God, you're a God who doesn't bless feelings, you bless obedience. And so I thank you for them choosing to come today. I thank you for the ones who've been getting up at 2 or 3 in the morning 
to pray because that's the hour they signed up for. And they were all inspired at first. But after six or seven days, it's like, oh, my goodness, how much more do I have to do this? I do not feel like doing it. I prayed all my prayers. Run out of, I'm repeating the same prayers. It's even working. And I thank you that whew, you don't bless how we feel about it. You bless our obedience. And so I know those prayers are working. I know they've been working all week. And this service has prayed up. And you've been here this whole time and your people are soaking in your presence in your word. And I just pray right now, Jesus, you would come and minister the hearts of people who need you desperately. And I pray you would bring conviction, Holy Spirit, to cause them to take a step of faith, to have courage, to open their life up to you and say, this is it. I'm giving my life to Jesus today. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm scheduling a prayer session today. Man, I've wrestled long enough. I've done this and that. I'm going to go to that open heaven prayer training. Man, our house is crazy. I'm, I'm taking that house, but I'm doing it today. I'm getting home from church and doing the house blessing prayer. God, I pray right now that you would empower your people for it is God who moves in you to will, to desire, and to act according to his good purpose. So do it, Lord, right now. I ask you to come. Fill your people. <sighs> Draw us to your obedience, God. Help us to trust you so we can step out in faith. I ask for that right now in Jesus' name. And before we say amen, I want to say this. I've asked them to fill you with faith for obedience. And listen, if you need to accept Christ as your Savior, I want to ask you to come up and, and talk to one of our ministry team members who's standing up here, and they're going to pray with you to receive Christ as your Lord, okay? And if you want to get baptized, we can schedule that. We can do it now. We're ready, but we can schedule it if you want to do that. If you need prayer for anything else, we want, I want to invest, invite you to come on up and receive prayer. And, uh, and if, if that is not you, if you feel like you're good to go, you know, what you, you know what you need to do going out from this place. You are blessed to leave in God's presence, to go with God and walk in his way this week. But if you need prayer, come on up. We love you. We want to pray for you. We want to bless you. Man, if you've been struggling with suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety, bad dreams, all that stuff, we want to talk to you. We want to pray with you, okay? And so there's freedom for you. So come on up. Talk to a ministry team member. Let us pray for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right?